Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning. Good to see everyone. My purpose statement for this message is very simple. That is to confirm with you that Jesus Christ is the only power that can forgive us totally of our sins. Amen. And I want to confirm that through our study. And I'd like to begin in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Mark chapter 2, start reading in verse 1. You need to know your sins are forgiven. You need to know that when Christ forgives you of your sin, they are blotted out. Covered. Cleansed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's start in verse 1 of uh, Mark chapter 2 verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus is in this house. That's why we're here. Amen. And wouldn't it be a marvelous thing if people were climbing to get in here to hear him and see him? And to see all kinds of wonderful things happening by his power. That would uh, be really something to see, wouldn't it? And he continues on immediately, many gathered together. When they hear of Jesus Christ and they knew that he was their man, they were, they were going to come in droves because they heard. Of the power of Jesus Christ. So that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. Every section was covered. Can you imagine ever going to a movie where it's just a lot of people. But still not a lot of people. You can still find your seat. Right? No one surrounding the doors. You can't just crowd in and see and stick your head in. Well, it was just crowded. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see this power. Feel it. Experience it. And he preached the word to them. Amen. That's what we're doing here today. And he continues on. And they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Paralyzed. Carried by four men. Must have been important. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. Very, uh, very smart. They found a way to get in. They uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, it doesn't seem to me that nothing was going to keep them back, right? What keeps you back from coming to the house of God what keeps you from always being in here and praising Jesus encouraging one another getting excited I know I get overly excited I get that and not everyone's like me who, <laughs> who feel like that every day I'm alive is a new day a new time a new miracle has happened because God has freed me from the shackles of my sin. 
And so they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Isn't that something? Man. You see, what this means to me is that today, friend, wherever you are, regardless of what you've done, Jesus will say to you, if you come forward today and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You know what He's going to do? He's going to say, I forgive you. It's over. It's done. You're cleansed. You are made new. And that's what happens here. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? He saw their faith. They did everything they could to see Jesus. Everything that they could to get in that house. Everything they good could do to claw their way in. Sometimes I sometimes have what I consider to be legitimate reasons for not being here. <laughs> uh, when I read a story like this, I don't have any legitimate reason for being here unless I'm in a hospital somewhere. Or like today, concern is if you're sick, stay at home. I get that. Not encouraging otherwise. Don't misunderstand me. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Well, that was a disturbing statement. Got a few of them upset. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? How in the world could he do this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? What is all the hubbub about? Jesus was asking them. What, what are you thinking? Stinking thinking. In verse 9, He asked them a question. He says, Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? Which would be easier for you to say, Craig? Ah, oh, Brother Bruce, your sins are forgiven you. That's easy to say. You know what would be hard? Go find a guy that's been paralyzed for all of his life and say, hey, get up and start walking. Take your bed with you and just go. That would be difficult. Which is easier to say? It's one of Jesus' famous, let's turn this whole situation around, type of question. The first thing He said was, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now notice what He says next. Notice what He says next. Verse 10. But that you may know, now get this, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. You need to get this. We need to get this. They needed to get it. He says, when you may know that the Son, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Now don't you know that that was even more troubling? 
Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. You see, in their eyes, Jesus was blaspheming God when He said, Hey, son, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus turned all that around by saying, Okay, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or you get up and you walk? You paralyzed human being, you? The one that's been kept down all your life? Rise up and walk. You know what that signaled then? That was a statement by Jesus. A statement by saying, I not only can raise the dead, but I have the power to forgive sins. What a moment. And what a moment for us. Because now you know that Jesus has the power to forgive you of your sins. You know, there's a movement today that challenges anyone. You could be of a political power. You could be of any persuasion, really. Who would have made hateful remarks in their past or held certain beliefs that were considered biased or extreme. And we all witnessing uh, statues after statue going down as a result of this cause. I've seen interviews by movie stars long dead being dredged up as evidence of biased beliefs. And this should be a warning shot for anyone who's posting videos and messages on social networks. You better be careful because somebody's going to pull them out one day and they're going to do exactly what we're witnessing today. You best be careful. And yet they're doing this because you're worthy of condemnation. Images and paintings of historical figures are being drawn into question as a result of this demand of justice. You've all witnessed this. I don't need to tell you about this. We see it. My purpose here is not to question or impugn that debate, but it has caused me to consider this lesson and ask myself, does the past mean anything? More importantly and more specifically, as a believer in Jesus Christ, does the sins of my past mean anything? Am I redeemable? Are you redeemable? Or is there at some point that the sins of your past and my past become evidence that demands justice? Which is it? And I think for me, this story here in Mark chapter 2 reveals to us that Jesus has the power to forgive. And the, and the uh, wonderful passage read by Amon. Thank you, sir. In Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 6, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will even dare to die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. 
but God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Amen? Now that's the power of Christ. And later on in Mark chapter 2, Jesus Christ says that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's the cause and beauty and wonder of the gospel message. So I'm going to examine just briefly here what the Scripture says about Jesus' ability and power to forgive. God gives us assurance that our sins are forgiven. You already know that, but let's, let's read it to confirm it. Don't just believe what I have to say. Let's read it together. In uh, Isaiah 43, verse 25, God reminded Isaiah of that power to forgive. I, even I, he says, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Amen. Why is that important? Because similar phrases are used and comments are used in Hebrews in the New Testament. Reminding us of the power of Christ to forgive. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 and 12 it says, For I will forgive their unrighteousness and their lawless deeds. I will remember what? No more. And that's a direct quote from Jeremiah chapter 31, 31 through 34. And then turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. He says something similar. Hebrews chapter 10. Starting in verse 12. But this man, speaking of Jesus, listen, listen to this. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, amen, Ransom has been paid, set down at the right hand of God from that time awaiting till his enemies are made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected. For, listen to that. Underline that. Verse 14. For by one offering he, Jesus, has perfected forever. Perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after He had said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Speaking of the prophet Ezekiel. Amen. Then He adds, if that wasn't enough, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Powerful, right? I hope it is to you a reminder of the great power of Jesus to forgive and totally blot out and totally remove. Hebrews chapter 1, 
speaks of Jesus' power. God who at sundry times and in various ways, in verse 1, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, He being the brightness of His glory and express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself, listen, purged our sins. Set down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Purged forever. And you wanted to know what that looks like? Your sins being forgiven? Psalms 103, verse 11 through 14 says this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. You want to know how much Jesus has forgiven you of your sins? As far as the east is from the west, you know, that's pretty that's pretty far, right? That's how far he's removed it. As a father has compassion on the children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. God loves us and loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Does God intend for my past to become an impeachable offense? To be used as a roadblock for future opportunities? No, sir. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hallelujah. Old things are hanging around. No, that's not what it says. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Whew. What a powerful statement by the Apostle Paul. And thinking of Paul, who used to be called Saul, he was, I guess in our terms today, we would refer to him as a monster. Before he became a Christian. He was a Jew. He hated Christians. Biased. Prejudiced. If there's anyone in the book that was prejudiced or hated other people, it would have been Paul. Saul. Before Jesus came and said, hey, you need to wake up. Yet such a monster found Jesus. But even his conversion was questioned. You know, God went to Ananias and said, hey, 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 uh, you need to go talk to this guy named Saul. And so I said, oh, yeah, oh man, I can't wait to call this dude. Uh, no. You know what he said? 
uh, Lord, don't you remember? <laughs> you remember what he did to those <laughs> your people? You remember? This guy is evil through and through, and you want me to go talk to him? What if he dragged me to prison? What if he dragged me and killed me? But even for somebody as despicable as Saul, the power of Christ could reach him. And that would later, Paul would say this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Faithful is the saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came, and <laughs> came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, everybody in here committed a sin at some point in your life. Maybe you committed one early this morning. I don't know. There's none righteous. No, not one. And by the grace of God, we're saved. Does the sins of our forefathers doom our future? Well, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 puts it so simply. If we confess our sins, He will go back to your parents and their sins will be upon your shoulders. Never forgiven. That's not what He says. If we confess, if you, friend, confess your sins, if you will do it, He is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen? 1 John 1 verse 9. And then do you remember to the Corinthians that Paul listed this really disgusting category of humanity stained by sin and was referring to them as, hey, you know what? These people... Can't make it in the kingdom of heaven. It won't. It won't happen. And he says, oh, by the way, such were some of you. <laughs> That's the good news. He says, such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Now, I just laid forth some things down for you to think about. Consider the power of Christ to forgive. Does He forgive? You better believe it. And when Jesus forgives, it is totally removed. It is purified. It is washed away. You have a new life. You begin. Now notice I haven't said anything about consequences of sin. That's not what I'm talking about. We have other guys that's coming have some lessons this week that's going to be talking about some of those consequences. But I'm mainly talking about specifically confirming the love of Jesus and His willingness and ability to completely forgive you of your sin. And you need to know that. And as Christians, we are mandated to forgive. You remember Peter. Yeah, I think the Jews had some kind of idea like the street, three strikes you're out kind of thing, you know. You offend me one time, okay. You offend me another time, okay. You offend me three times, you're out. Ball game's over. 
you're done. Well, Peter in Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, he says, How, 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 how off, Lord, do, do I need to forgive that person that keeps offending me? How often? Seven times? Peter, you know, he was so brash, he said, I'm going to put a limit on it. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to put a limit on this. Seven times, that seems like a good figure. Nope, Jesus says, nope. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, we got some mathematicians around here. They can figure that one out real quick, right? I'm going to say, what is it, 700 and... Come on, guys. Huh? 490. Hallelujah. Got an answer. Oh. So Peter got his answer, and he may not have liked it. But 70 times 7. That's on us. Somebody comes forward today, and they've done some despicable things. We may not know what some of them are. They confessed their sins before. You know what we're to do? We're to forgive them. There's not a limit. There's not a fixed number. Restoration, personal accountability, forgiveness are all key in every individual, no matter the race, no matter if you're white or black, no matter if you're Puerto Rican, no matter if you're Mexican, it doesn't matter. We all have a responsibility to be accountable, to be responsible. Restitution is part of that. Leviticus 6, 1-7. I'll take time to read that. We're, I'm running a little bit over. But you need to know that that's part of the process. Within your ability... The matter of restitution isn't about how much you grovel or about how much you pay back or if you can even amend the wrong. You may not ever be able to amend the consequence of your sin. But as one man put it, biblical restitution principles apply to situations involving what is demonstrable, direct, and befitting of genuine repentance. You can only do what you can do. And then you got to move on. Amen. Does my past mean anything? Yes or no? No, in the sense that God through His Son has forgiven me all my sins. I want to just rephrase that so that you'll get it. No, in the sense that God through His Son Jesus has forgiven me, has forgiven you of all your sins. Yes, in the sense that like Paul, I must look back reflectively, reminding myself daily that I am the chief of all sinners. And by grace, Jesus has saved me. And I like to read that as we draw to a close. In 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul's statement here in verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecuted, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant 
with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me, first Christ Jesus, might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him of everlasting life. Amen. Now to the King eternal and immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The world focuses on culture today, but we must focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. The power of Christ to forgive is so clear and so evident. Are you, friend, you listener, you who are in Zoom, you who are sitting here, are you confident that your sins have been forgiven? Do you believe that? Are you assured of that? You stand confident of that? If you're not and you are unsure, you need to come forward today. Don't hang on to doubt. Be sure. Are you still wrestling with bitterness and anger and rage of some offense committed against you? Could it be in the form of hate? Could have been a form of some addiction in your family, divorce, some kind of form of violence. I don't know what it was. As Jesus told the paralytic man, he says, Be of good cheer. Your sins have been forgiven. Amen. And you need to be of good cheer. That simply means stand courageously. And come forward as we stand and sing this song. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.